Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and C. All right, joining us today, we have two very special guests. Uh, the first one is Hal Mummy, the godfather himself of the Air Raid offense. Coach Mummy, thank you so much for joining us today. Ben, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. And also with him is Stan Bedwell, Hall of Fame quarterback from Europe, um, has played in over 60 countries, is one of the play callers for Hal, um, is, and is going to be getting into coaching at professional level. Stan, appreciate you joining us today as well. Yeah, happy to be here. So to kind of start off, uh, how the, the early 90s was really the first time that you guys ran what people understand today is the air raid offense. And nobody in NAIA would play you guys. Um, once you got to a certain point, you were playing up a division against Truman State, who was number 10 in, in Division Two at the time. You guys were NAIA. And you guys were down at halftime. But the quarterback said, don't worry, we're going to win this game. It, yeah. it, could you talk just a little bit about the confidence that comes along with your offense? Yeah, they, they, uh, this, of course, that was the first game we'd ever played fast. And, uh, we, we weren't sure how that was going to work going into it. But by halftime, even though we were, we were down 24 to seven, we were down because we had just kind of screwed up the kicking game mostly. Uh, we'd had a, an opening drive that was a great opening drive where, uh, we scored a touchdown and then we just kind of fell apart for the rest of the half and and uh they got up on us and so it was looking pretty bad walking into the locker room there but all of a sudden you just saw the psyche of the kids they they all came up and said the same thing the quarterback did is don't don't sweat this we're going to win it and uh you could tell in the locker room at halftime it was like they were ahead 24 to 7 and and later on they told me that you know coach we just knew they were wore out they weren't going to be able to play the second half and we came back and uh, beat them thirty-four to thirty-one. And and I know a big a big appeal of the air raid offense is fun. Stan, from from your perspective, talk a little bit about just kind of the fun that comes along with this style of offense. Well, I mean, for, for me, from everywhere I played previously to running the air raid offense, uh, the first time I did it was two thousand eight in Serbia, or two thousand nine in Serbia. And you know, the year before I played in Serbia, we won the championship and. They got through 25 touchdowns in eight games, which I thought was a lot. And then, uh, you know, went and learned the air raid offense, came back the next year and, you know, threw for seven in our first game and 11 in our second game. And I was like, okay, this is a lot more fun. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think as a player, you know, we it, it's almost considered taboo the way we do things because it's not about what the other team does. So when you're with other teams, you're spending so much time, you know, breaking down film and saying, if they do this, if they do that. And for us, it's just, you know, this is what we're going to do, you know, for the quarterback. These are your reads and they're going to stay the same no matter what. So we don't, it's a lot of fun when you can just go out and, you know, if you're going to play, say, pick up football with your friends, you're not going to say, well, what are those other guys going to do? Right. You're just going to go out there and, you know, draw up in the dirt, whatever your plays are. And you're going to run them no matter what the defense is doing. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do. We, ha we have our plays that we've drawn up, we practiced, and we're just going to run them no matter what. So that's a lot of fun, and you're really, you know, you're comfortable back there. Sure. And, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about, about reps and doing the same thing over and over. How do, how do you get your players to buy into improving skills and techniques in, in one particular drill day after day? 
you know, rather than trying to keep their attention by always having to, to innovate and add new plays or, or add new drills, talk about kind of the, the principle behind not getting bored with the basics. Well, that's probably, it, it really comes from a statement I heard Don Henley make when they asked him how the Eagles got to be the greatest rock band of the, of the eighties. And he said, it's because we had a great capacity for boredom. And what he meant by that, they, they said, explain that. And he said, well, we'd go in the studio and he said, I was kind of like the coach and, and, uh, you know, you had Joe Walsh, you could do anything with a, a guitar. You had Glenn Fry could do almost anything with any instrument and his voice. Uh, you had Timothy B. Schmidt who had, had a particular set of skills. You had all these members of the band that all that had all these skills and it would have been real easy to go in there and everybody being going in a different direction. But what the, what Don would do is he would make them record a track, uh, part of a track, and lay it down. And then he'd say, okay, we're going to do it again. Like, lay it down again, lay it down again, lay it down again. And then when he was satisfied, he'd move on to the next one. That's how they piece their songs together. And back in the, the, the late 70s and, and through the 80s, when we people used to just listen to AM or FM radio, driving around your car, if a new Eagles song came on, you knew it was an Eagles song right from the first bar. It, no matter what it was, it just popped out of the radio at you. And and I got to thinking when I heard him say that, I said, that's, that's what we do. And so I started making that, that uh, pitch to my team probably somewhere around the early 90s and, and tell them, look, guys, it's it's just about not getting bored with the reps and, and have fun. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of them because they don't really have to think about what they're doing. They've done it so many times, you know, in this drill, we're working on this skill. You get your reps, go the next one. And then you get through practice, the same thing with the plays. So I, it takes the it takes the uh, the hesitation out of the game for them. So we have a lot of interesting conversations during practice to keep things light and keep things interesting because they don't really have to think about the plays. So we're, we're usually out there talking about girlfriends or, you know, <laughs> who went out the night before or something like that in between plays. Stan, from from your perspective, Stan, what's that uh, what's that feel like as a player to have sort of a, a little bit of weight off your shoulders and a little bit of a confidence in yourself as you're improving these skills? Well, I, I think you know, in a say a traditional football practice, when you're doing so many different things and you have so much new installation, there's just a lot of thinking that goes on, and you're not really sure what's coming up the next you know period. Where, you know, for our guys, you can take anyone that's been around us for three or four practices and they're going to know exactly what's coming that practice. So for me as a player, I always thought, okay, well, this gives me, now I know we're doing the same drill over and over. And I think a lot of people, a lot of players will run drills just to get it over with. Let me do my rep. Then I get back to the back of the line and I wait till I go again. And, or, you know, it's done. And then the whistle blows, we go to the next period. But when you know you're going to do the same thing over and over again, what I always talk to guys about is let's, you know, let's have that rep if we're doing our new drill, which we start practice with, you know, let's let that be the best. Is that the best possible drop I can do? The best throw I can do, you know, for the receivers? Are they working their best release, even though there's not a defender there and no one yelling at them? It's just something with you and you that instead of working to get the drill done, you're working to have the very best rep you can each time you do it. And, you know, talk, talk a little bit also how uh, you brought up, you know, keeping things light at practice. Um, how do you draw that line or where do you draw that line between we want this to be fun, but 
this is also football, which takes some hard work, some physicality, some toughness to be successful. You know, we're not just out here messing around. How do you, how do you draw that line? Well, I think it's kind of what Stan was alluding to about the drills. They, they understand the purpose of everything they're doing. We, they know we're not wasting any of their time. And so therefore they try to give their, their all at it. And of course there are some parts of the game that are very physical and, and for instance, pass protection when our O-line goes against our D-line, that, that's a pretty brutal drill. And our O-linemen are working on their technique and they're, they're working on their almost ballerina-like moves in terms of sets and getting your hands up and where your eyes have to be, where your hands have to be placed, all that. At the same time that they got a very angry defensive lineman running right at them. So it becomes a skill that, that uh, has to be practiced over and over again. And, and uh, people think we're not a physical team. They're, they, they, always, they always make that mistake because we're, we're probably really one of the best physical teams around because we, we know exactly what we're going to do and therefore we can do it harder. So, you know, obviously, obviously this, this type of offense places a premium on the quarterback. Talk, talk a little bit about what kind of, what kind of person does that quarterback have to be? What, what types of, what types of, uh, you know, on the field or off the field traits are required to be successful in this type of offense? I mean, I don't think off the field there's anything different than any other offense. If you're the quarterback, you gotta you got to be the guy that guys want to play with and want to play for, the guy that the team wants to hang out with. And so I, I think, first and foremost, just be likable. Be somebody that the guys want to play for. You know, from an on-the-field perspective, it's all about, you know, repetition. And when you're doing the same thing over and over, it gets really, really easy. It almost becomes second hand, you know, second thought for you. So, you know, now with Ryan Willis, our starting quarterback that we have here, he's, you know, we had seven practices before our first game, learning a brand new offense. And I mean, if you look at it in total, because we don't, we don't go out on the field near as much as the other teams do. I mean, we probably practiced 14 or 15 times since we've been in Indianapolis. And he's already to the point of, you know, understanding these are the tendencies that right. we're giving, and this is a tendency breaker that the other team's not ready for. So when you only have a few plays and you only do a few drills over and over, you know, it's it's we're simple, but what makes the offense work so well is your own tendency breakers. And, you know, for a quarterback in the offense, you you have a lot of say-so in it. You get used to sure. it. I mean, we played a couple weeks ago, we played um, the – conquerors and that was a showdown that was an overtime game 46 39 and you know you get in those games and you know ryan's probably out there calling two or third to a half of the plays himself just because he understands offense he understands what we do there's not too much to you know there's not much to it there's really not much to it and so uh, it just it gives you that control it gives you the control and you don't you never feel handcuffed by the play call you know, you can see the call, but then you see something different on the field. They have that freedom. And Hal, I know you called mesh concept fifty-two times in a in a game yeah. in a game one time. Yeah. Talk talk to me just a little bit about the the psychology and the the confidence behind your players knowing that there is literally nothing the defense can do because there's an answer for whatever they throw at you. 
Yeah, I give a plug to Sam Gwynn for he wrote the book The Perfect Pass, and and Mesh is the perfect pass, and and he he uh, he he started out as a guy who didn't know much about football. He enjoyed football as a fan, but he didn't know much about it. And I'm think by the time he after two years of research and studying film and talking to players, I think he could probably be somebody's air raid offensive coordinator now. But he's he's a brilliant author. If you haven't read it, you should pick it up. It's a great book. It's uh, S. C. Gwynn, The Perfect Pass, and the perfect pass is mesh, and that was his. That's that was his moniker that he put on it because it. No matter what the defense did, there was a there was a simple solution, and and somebody was going to be open. So it just became a a process of the quarterback going through his progression, and then and then finding the the open guy. And uh, so we've we've kind of majored in that for a long time now. That was 1991 when we called it, or yeah, 1991 when we called it 52 times in one game. And uh, we end up being uh, we were 61 of 86 for 444 yards and four touchdowns in that game. And Mesh was 52 of the 86 passes. So it they didn't really have an answer for it, and so you just keep doing it until they stop it. And like Stan was alluding to a while ago, we can tag things because we don't have a lot of plays. If you have 112 plays and you're only going to run 65 of them in a game, the decision-making process becomes pretty tough. Yeah. If you only got a, you know six or eight concepts like we do – then you can call those over and over again, but you can change one guy's route or one guy's uh, uh, job on the play, and and it becomes a whole different a different look to the defense, and uh, it, it allows you to solve a lot of problems pretty quickly on the sidelines. How what's been the biggest predictor of success throughout? I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for a while. What's the biggest predictor of success when it comes to the the mental side of the game when you're evaluating? Is this guy going to be able to to be the guy? When the game is on the line, you're talking about the quarterback. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I always look for kind of the intangibles, and and Stan alluded to this a while ago too. Is is be somebody that the team will rally around. Uh, be somebody who's a, a good student of the game, who wants to do this as bad as we do. Um, really, size and arm strength are pretty far down on the list. We we look for a vision, be able to see the field. Release, have a quick release, and uh, pocket feet, and being able to move around in the pocket and escape the rush or find the throwing lane to throw in. And that's if they all all the quarterbacks we've had, and I've, I think we've had something like nine All Americans, and uh, they all had they didn't all have the same physical ability, but they all had those qualities. And you know, I was I was standing on the sideline with a with a scout from a Canadian football team. Uh, at you guys' game this yeah. past week, and you know, here you are. You're down, you're down two scores with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And he just turned to me. He actually played against you um, in college, and he said, "Man, it, it doesn't matter. No lead is safe against this offense." <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about kind of the the player mindset. You know, approaching a, a two minute drive at the end of the game, or you know that that pressure situation where you got to be able to go fast and just kind of the confidence that that you have going into that well we prefer to go fast all the time you know this league actually kind of has some restrictions on when you can go no huddle if it was up to us we'd be doing that all the time and we'd probably be a lot more successful than what we've been (laughs) but uh you know it's really it's not so much 
That's a quote from coach. Uh, you know, it's not so much about X's and O's. It's about an optimism of you can score from anywhere on the field anytime you have the ball. And it's almost brainwashing your players to believe that, that no matter where you are, you're always going to score. So we don't really panic when we get down. We just I, know I, what we do. I think the, the thing about this offense is, and you alluded to the first game that Mike Leach and I ever coached it in in 1991 we came from behind 24 to 7 at halftime every place we went after that and this continues to be true once you do that there's a mindset from the team that you're never out of the game and of course coach leach famously had the uh bowl game against minnesota where he set the record for the furthest down at halftime and came back to win i think they were down 38 to 7 at halftime and uh came back and won and they never, you know, his team never thought they wouldn't win. And fortunately for us in this league, we've had two games like that in a row now where we were able to uh, come from two scores down in the fourth quarter. And, and they're, they're going to have that mentality. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's built into, into their DNA right now. And then the, the last thing that, that we always ask each of our guests, and I'll ask both of you separate if you don't mind. Um, the first one is just knowing what you know now. If you could, if you could go back and tell yourself as, you know, as a younger player or as a younger coach, what, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I mean, I, I guess it would have just it probably would have been to, to learn the air raid offense a lot sooner. <laughs> I mean, it, it's been a blessing for me. It, you know, I've I've had a lot of accolades playing overseas, and you know, it's really opened up doors for me here. But you know, without, I, I think I could go to any other system, and I don't know if that would have been me. You know, so for me, it's just something that this offense it, it works for anybody. You know, as long as you put in the time and you get an understanding, you don't. I mean, I'm, you know. Five nine and a half. I give myself the half. I don't know if that's true, but uh, <laughs> it sounds better. Five nine and a half. You know about one ninety. And so I've never been a big arm guy, and that's kind of what coach was talking about. I've never been a big arm guy. Never been very impressive athletically, as as you've seen. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, it's just all about uh, executing and nowhere to go with the ball. So you know, that doesn't really answer your question at all. But that's what I would give myself is learn this sooner because that's fair it works man well I, I we you know we created the offense so going back to my career it was in college was in the mid 70s and and uh we used to sit around and talk about why can't we do this and i actually played on a team at new mexico military in junior college that had a couple of thinkers on there that that loved throwing the ball and uh we we got some real good ideas and some real good concepts from them and it kind of was it demonstrated to me that we could do that. And then I also played on a team that was just kind of your typical seventies offense around the veer and uh, pound the ball and that sort of thing. And, and there wasn't any, there was no comparison or where I had more fun. I had more fun being a receiver on the first team than I did on the, on the other one. So when I got into coaching, I, I knew I wanted to create an offense. that was like that. I just didn't know where I was going to get it from. And then, I started stealing ideas from Lovell Edwards and Bill Walsh and Mouse Davis and people like that, and so it it all kind of came together over a period of about of about five years between 1986 when I was a Texas high school coach and uh, 1991 when we played that game. He talked about it at Iowa Wesleyan. 
And then the the last question, you know, we have a, a good deal of our, our listening crowd is our coaches. Um, what advice would you have for coaches that may be listening today? Mm, I'd say that it's always better to stand out than fit in. Yeah, I, I think that everybody tries to do things the same way as everyone else. And, you know, they're always looking, you know, for the next best thing to do. And I think the great thing that I've learned through doing this offense is you don't need to reinvent yourself every single year. You know, find something that works, that you're comfortable doing, that your kids are comfortable, you know, playing. Create that culture of this is who we are, this is what we're going to be. And then just get better at it every single year. I mean, it's like baseball. In baseball, you don't have a ton of different strategies. You get up there, you swing the bat, you hit it, you run around the bases. Yeah. You all line up, you know, there's nine positions that are going to be in the same spots. It's kind of that about football. Get comfortable doing what you're doing and, you know, just let your kids have fun with it instead of trying to be too smart and do too much. Well, I agree with everything Stan just said, but I, I would add the last thing is you, you got to be, you can't be afraid to fail. And and so just realize that the, the, football is a game. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of coaches want to call it work, but it's really not. It's a game. In fact, if we weren't doing this, we'd have to get real jobs. So, d- don't be afraid to fail, and and uh, don't don't take it so serious that that you're not curing cancer. It's just it's just a game. It's football. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. But if you're afraid to fail, you're going to lose a lot more than you win. All right. Well, Hal and Stan, thank you guys very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to stop by and talk with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Our plan you can get if you want to, if you're interested in Air Raid, go to airraidcertified.com, sign up, and I'll personally teach it to you in 17 videos. Until next time, make your plan, put it to work.